Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Green Bears Podcast. This week, for the name for the usual green, is a man that likes to wear green. That is Mr. Ricky Nice. So today, he is the green. I am Ken, I am the bitch, and we are here for another edition of the Green Bears Podcast, which I have dubbed Winter is Coming. More on that in a minute. But Ricky, how's it going, my brother? I am good, I am good. Winter may be coming your way, and certainly the way of some of our other hosts and guests, but I am here in the sunny Barbados, um, so I'm going to have a tropical winter represent on behalf of you guys. Well, you're very right, because you know the Dawson teams that we've been, we will discuss today that will resemble what I'm experiencing, which is right now, well, winter hasn't officially started, and today was relatively warm. Today we got up to 60-something, which if memory serves correctly that's probably around like 19 or 20 degrees for you guys over yes. there in Celsius but well, let, let me tell you because we got some snow coming later on this week so <laughs> yeah today was a 19 degrees Celsius um, tomorrow we're gonna have 20 and then Thursday's gonna be 18 but that just takes us right into Friday when the snow starts to fall so <laughs> winter is coming winter is here as for some i guess those teams that are you know feeling really good about themselves they are probably existing in the warm weather of barbados or Dorne, if it was to continue the game of thrones analogy <laughs> so but before we get to the to the nfl we have to talk about the nba off the rip this week we are talking about the nba play-in tournament which has gone to the knockout stage and uh, ricky i don't know how much attention you've been paying to the play-in tournament but everybody is reporting that the play-in tournament has been a resounding success right now as we speak the uh, New York Knicks, they're currently playing against the Milwaukee Bucks. The score is currently 37-35 in favor of the Bucks at the start of the second quarter. Yesterday was when they had some other games going on. Um, the early game was the Pacers playing against the Celtics. And as a good friend of mine, a Celtics fan says the Celtics are always the um, bridesmaid and never the bride. <laughs> Celtics got bounced in the quarterfinals, 122 to 112. And the Pelicans did take care of the Kings, 127 to 117. So, Ricky, when we look at these um, these playing games, sorry, in season tournament, not the playing games, mm-hmm. what do you feel? How do you look at this, this tournament overall, and especially the state that is in currently? Well, let me start by saying that I, I understand what the league is attempting to do. And it is it is ironic because a lot of times we look to some of these um, we look at some of these innovations and if we're resistant to change we may say, Okay, well, it's a bit of a distraction. But I will say this. The the league has realized that listen, we have we don't have consumers who can pay attention to an 82-game season consistently anymore. That was our generation, Ken. And the reality of it is they're not targeting our generation. We are already vested. We already Mm -hmm. have planted our flag, established our tribe, and we will follow through with an 82-game season. 
there's a younger generation that they're not going to be that vested. So they need increments. They need to consume this league in increments. What this playing tournament does is it gives us an increment for our fandom. So if we don't want to see the Celtics succeed, for example, the classic example here, <laughs> the results of December 4th make us wake up feeling good because it says to, 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 to Boston and all Celtics fans, you may not be as good as you think you are because the moment the lights get brightest, your team shrinks. Right? Um, you saw it with Sacramento. I mean, I don't know if Sacramento had business losing to the Pelicans, if we're being honest. But what that, that and that's what I like about the tournament now. As a Lakers fan, I'm hoping to see uh, a certain type of result uh, later on tonight. And and if things go our way, it certainly would give our fan base a bump. So from that point of view, especially if we get. Uh, not one expected, not one of the, the, the favorites, so to speak, then it does something in the lead up to, to Christmas for the fan base. And, and there's a level of excitement that it can give a middle tier or a, a, a playoff type team that does not have the dreams necessarily of winning it all in June. But all of a sudden you win this tournament, you get a bump from your fan base from your players, your young players start to get confident. So there's a swagger that can come out of a tournament like this, especially if a team is who is not the favorite ends up winning it. Yeah, and that's a lot of how I see this going as well. I expected to see the teams like the Sacramentos and the Pelicans and the Pacers and, and those teams more invested yes. in, the play, in this in-season tournament, more so than like the warriors for example even the lakers because the teams that uh, have their minds set on what happens in may and june are probably not pushing as hard for this in-season tournament as these other teams that like you said if you put them in the seven game series mm -hmm. chances are they're going to struggle to to get over the hump but when you take them and you put them in this winner take all one off situation Literally, this is cup football being played in basketball, Correct. and we know that anybody can get got on any any night. So, in a situation like this, I am I was one that was for the in season tournament from the beginning. From the time it was announced, I was like, yeah, I could see that this is this has the potential to go very very well. Others were skeptical. I'm sure that there's still some who have not bought into the tournament, but. When you listen to the players, when you listen to the to the um to the coaches, when you hear the fans talking and the amount of attention that they're paying, yeah, this has been a success. This is not going to take us from the beginning of the season. Well, this the tournament basically plays this week. So the knockout rounds play this week. Saturday is the final. And then from there, this is the beginning of December. Yep. So now it's just a hop, skip and a jump over to Christmas. And then from Christmas, All-Star is two months away, which is right after the Super Bowl. So, you, you know, nothing really happens during the NFL playoffs anyway. And then we go into the All-Star break. And from the All-Star break, then it's the sprint to the finish. And that's when everybody really starts to pay attention. Yeah, so, as you said, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, 
So I agree the same way that you just broke that down. Those are the increments that I speak of. We can't handle the marathon as fans anymore. We have too many other distractions in our lives. So what mm -hmm. the NBA is doing is saying, okay, let me give you these bite-sized ways to consume this season. And if you can consume it in this bite-sized way, I'm excited about a final a championship on Saturday night in Las Vegas because I don't have my college football distraction. College football occupied my arguments um, Sunday into Monday, certainly. But I don't <laughs> have that distraction now. The NFL has kind of firmly established its place. Thursday, I know what to expect. Sunday, I know what to expect. Sunday night, Monday night. So what the NBA has expertly done here is said, look, we're going to come on this Monday, on this Saturday, sorry, on this Saturday night, and we're going to have a championship. And you know, once their machinery, their marketing machinery calls it a championship, we are going to tune in. And of course. It. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I am very enthused by the whole, by this entire experience. And like I said, right now, the, the score is 48-47 in favor of the Bucks. Ricky, unlike you, I am not confident that the Lakers win this game tonight. Because this is the kind of game that one of the superstars turn up and the other does not. And when that happens... And the other may be in street closer. <laughs> well, I don't know if he'll be in street closer tonight, but... You go hold that he doesn't play like if he is in street clothes. So, yeah, it's a little difficult for me. Like, my NBA finding right now, I don't even know what to say about it. It's, it's, it is what it is right now. <laughs> so, anyhow, let's move on from the, from the NBA. Let's go into the NFL, where a lot has been happening this weekend we the game that played last night saw the jacksonville jaguars take on the cincinnati bengals the bengals of course came into this game without their starting quarterback the joe burrow he is done for the year and then during the course of the game well the jaguars they also lost their starting quarterback one trevor lawrence he has a high ankle sprain and God knows at this point in time just how long he's going to be out. Now, I know I don't have it here in the rundown, Ricky. But, you know, there was an interesting thing that came out talking about the, especially the quarterback injuries that have occurred this season. So far, we have six quarterbacks who were reportedly, I have to put it that way, because one of them is reportedly coming back. But took some season-ending injuries. First up was your quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, who is rumored to be on his way back if the Jets have an opportunity to make it into the postseason. So Daniel Jones. He's not, basically, he's not coming back because that last, part was, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that last part could have been the first part, sir, but I digress. <laughs> I, I, I have to put it out there for the people because this is the, this is the way it's being reported, right? You, exactly. as as the um, the Jets fan, you'll be able to tell us otherwise. But he he is reported to be available, maybe week fifteen, week sixteen, maybe even week seventeen, depending on where things are going and how things stand. Right. Daniel Jones, he is also out for the season. Kirk Cousins, well, we know he tore his Achilles, so he he was done. But somehow the Vikings is still afloat. Um, right. Anthony Richardson, 
he from the Indianapolis Colts. He has you know a, a bum arm, so he is he has shoulder surgery. He's supposed to be out for at least six months. Deshaun Watson, well, you know he was in and out of the, the lineup for majority of the year, but now he is done for the year. And then of course I just made mention of Joe Burrow. At least for the Jaguars, they don't have to consider um, Trevor Lawrence. As probably being done for the year um, like you said the expectation is that he should be back because there's no structural damage to his ankle but um, a non-quarterback injury that they also suffered last night was Christian Kirk who has to get core muscle surgery much to the chagrin of one of my fantasy teams and he well for him to return then the Jaguars need to make a deep run into the playoffs Ricky, you had a you had a comment with regards to these quarterback injuries that we wanted you to share before we you know discuss it a little bit more. Yeah, one one of the things that I I look at is the reality that a lot of the quality offensive players are not playing any preseason football. They're not playing any kind of competitive football before the season starts. Meanwhile, the defensive players are usually getting their reps in we all know about the strength and changes in size of the athlete that is playing on the defensive side now so you have an athlete who may not be a large lumbering um beast so to speak but these athletes are a lot more compact when they hit now you can see it i mean we are, we are seeing running back lower their shoulder and hit players and those players get concussions we are seeing safeties who are a lot smaller than what we were certainly accustomed to um going into players like like heat seeking missiles and then those players are out again with concussions or another type of injury for multiple weeks so i am saying that to say that certainly the shoulders of a of a deshaun watson or an anthony anthony richardson when they're trying to get extra yards and are 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 definitely having the boom lord on them in this pursuit of extra yardage is, is one thing the achilles i just i'm beginning to just simply think that the, the the league may be underestimating the toll that this sport can take on some of these quarterbacks so the achilles because i i having had a torn achilles in in my time as a athlete I can tell you that that is not something that is easy to recover from. So going back to even the Aaron Rodgers comment, I, I, I don't know what kind of what kind of thing <laughs> he is on. But certainly when you look at it, the Cousins Achilles, the Rodgers Achilles, the amount of calf injuries, I'll be honest, when I heard the Joe Burrow calf injury earlier in the season, I was very worried that he was headed that direction as well. So mm-hmm. I do think that... The, like everything else, I think the defenses have caught up to the offensive players. The offensive players are not getting the reps in because everything about this league now is to put these players in a bubble and protect them or put them in bubble wrap until the lights go on for the game. And who better an example of that than Aaron Rodgers, who was in bubble wrap until the opening <laughs> night. And mm-hmm. then what was it, seven snaps in? Um, it, it was not that many. It was the first drive. Four snaps. Four snaps in. So it, it it tells me that the someone, one of these experts is going to have to look at the flexibility side of this thing 
they're gonna have to value reps because say what you like the players who played before them were playing and getting those reps in and playing preseason games i'm not saying these players have to come out now and play the full preseason but i just think that they're in such a protective bubble that when they're exposed to real speed and this type of new defensive player some of their their bodies are not holding up yeah i mean right now the evidence supports everything that you just said the the way how players are getting injured and you know we see defenses are skewing younger and younger all the time yes we're not talking about the defenders like linebackers and stuff in the same way that we talk about running backs but they're getting played the same way because you you find that there are a few elite middle linebackers and and other coverage linebackers that will play deep into their 30s but in a lot of cases they're getting rotated in and out in and out which means that the ones that are being rotated in your job is to go there and hit somebody and hit them as hard as you can and then when two years down the line your shoulders are messed up and your knees are all bad and all right well you know we'll just replace you with a younger cheaper model that can come and do this for another two years and then we'll just keep it moving i remember i don't remember which coach it was that said it but someone said that you know the only way to prepare for playing football is to play football you have to your body has to get callous for the season yes and in preseason the quarterbacks wear a red jersey so nobody hits them and then in a lot of cases they don't play much if at all during the preseason so it's going to be difficult for them to develop the callousing that they would need to be successful or at least to not get hurt as quickly and as easily as they have been recently so my heart goes out to all of them i had always said that if i was going to play football i would have to play like a a corner or maybe a safety where I get to do the hitting and not somebody yeah. hit me. Right. But the way how I see these safeties coming down and trying to fill a hole, no please. No, I have no calling in that sport. If I can also add, I think Andrew Luck was kind of instructive for us, but we didn't really take the complete learning from the Andrew Luck experience. So Andrew Luck was subjected to so much punishment that he did something that we are not accustomed to seeing. He said, guys, I've had enough and I'm retiring from the sport, right? I don't think we understood the real damage that was done to Andrew Luck in that period of time where he lacked protection and just stood it in that pocket and took that beating. Um, there have been comparisons made to Joe Burrow and the beating that he is now taking. And there mm-hmm. are some who are saying they're not surprised because when you line them up, and I, I guess I would have to find it and share it in a, a future show for you to share with the, the viewers in a future show, um, Joe Burrow has taken just as much punishment in his first four seasons of his career as Andrew Luck. So uh, we don't want to extrapolate that by any measure, but mm-hmm. again, we underestimate at times just how many times because we're not seeing the direct hits we underestimate the the partials and the hurries and 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 that type of pressure Mm -hmm. yep for sure 
for sure so i mean this is something that we would definitely have to pay attention to um the nfl has done everything it can to keep the quarterbacks on the field and the quarterbacks still find a way to get hurt and well this is just as an aside but you know we often heard about how injury prone one lamar jackson is and joe burrow for the time that he's been here has been just as injury prone but we are not it is a different kind of conversation the narrative, the narrative is framed very different i'm glad you you mentioned that ken because you are quite right um the the conversation and the narrative around joe burrow is never um we don't we don't hear injury prone uh, mm -hmm. as a narrative connected to joe burrow but you you are quite right i also will also say that i think what is happening now is that because of the approach to the salary cap i think these teams i remember when and aging myself here but i will do it anyway i remember <laughs> when joe montana had steve young as his backup quarterback and everyone who was watching football back then who would pay attention to that 49ers franchise understood that steve young may have been among the top 15 quarterbacks in the league and he was the backup to joe montana but that doesn't happen now and I'm Exhibit A. I had Tim Boyle, who thankfully we got rid of today, right? I had <laughs> Tim Boyle as my backup and Trevor Simeon. Well, all that tells you all you need to know. These teams are not investing in a quality backup. So now mm -hmm. we're seeing situations where the moment the starter goes out, some fan bases said, oh, well, there goes the season. I remember the days that would happen and in comes the backup and that backup QB would be able to win you, you know, four out of seven games, and you would take it because you, you you keep your head above water. That is not happening now in today's NFL. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you you say that about the backups, because that now leads us right into the VK recap, where <laughs> oh yeah, perfectly done. Where as always, I come up with a headline. You tell me if this is cap or no cap. And this first headline comes out of the game last night because, again, we made mention of Trevor Lawrence getting his ankle stepped on by one of his linemen. And the way how he crumpled, it really did not look good. And the fact that he really couldn't put anywhere on the on leg also didn't look good. But there's a possibility that he may not be out for as long as we may have thought. However, where the Jacksonville Jaguars lost this game, there is another team in their division that is looking a whole lot better and has been charging up behind them. And that is the Houston Texans. So, Ricky, the first of our weekend recap. The Jacksonville Jaguars will lose the AFC South to Houston. Cap or no cap? I say no cap um, because I believe that 49ers South and 49ers <laughs> West will both win will both win um, their divisions. I, I jokingly call Houston 49ers South because the reality of it is that team has been put together in a similar fashion, but I must give young CJ Stroud credit because he has poise beyond his years and wisdom within his between his ears. Let me put it that way. So what we are seeing from Houston is a team that is quite capable, albeit a very young team, of, of taking the AFC South. 
And the reality of it is, if Jacksonville was who we thought they were, they would win that game at home last night against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think that uh, we've seen a few teams kind of been exposed a little bit. I remember uh, when I was invited onto this show uh, well, maybe six weeks ago, we thought the Lions were someone else, and then the Lions kind of got exposed. And I'm seeing the same thing now with this Jacksonville team. I, I, I watched that game last night, and the Bengals just kept fighting, kept fighting. And there, there is a structure that Houston has that I think um, gives them a big advantage over, or slight advantage, I say, over Jacksonville. So yes, advantage Houston. When it, uh, if I had to pick one, I advantage Houston in, in terms of the team that I think would win the AFC stuff. So yeah, I agree. I agree. This is not cap. You know, I always feel good when I come up with, with, with the ones that may not necessarily be obvious because it's easy, right. to, easy to come up with an obvious one, right. but something that is worthy of sparking some discussion. So I looked at this situation. So first off, let's look at where the two teams currently stand. The Jaguars are 8-4. The Texans are 7-5. and five. So that is the first thing to give you a bit of a clue as to where things stand. Now, they split the season series. Jacksonville lost in Houston 37-17. to And then they won at home 24-21. No point differential doesn't really matter until you start getting way down in the weeds in terms of tiebreakers. So the points don't matter. But the rest of the season does in terms of who still has to play what. So the Jaguars... They have probably the best defense in the NFL, in the Browns. They, they have to play the currently sitting in the number one spot, Baltimore Ravens. Or they have the Buccaneers, they have the Panthers. So those are two games that they will hope to win. And then they finish against the Titans, which who knows what the Titans will look like at that point. Correct. So even with Trevor Lawrence, they could be hard-pressed to win the next two games against the Browns and the Ravens. At the same time, the Houston Texans, well, they play against your Jets. Great defense, no offense. They play against the Titans. Well, I mean, the Titans kind of will be kingmakers at this point because they still have both games against the Titans, the Browns in between there, and then they finish against the Colts. Right. Which, on paper... Is a much easier schedule than what the Jaguars are facing. And there is only one game between the two of them. So, I expect that the Titans... Sorry, not the Titans. The Titans well, the Titans aren't going to beat the Texans. I don't see that happening. And the Titans will not have anything to play for in Week 18 when they play against the Jaguars. Except to play spoiler. And you know that that is one thing that they would definitely be out to do. So I agree with you 100% that Houston are the ones in the box seat, even though they are currently in the box seat behind the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this all still two hinges on if Trevor Lawrence comes back or not, because if he does not make it back, then it is a wrap. It, that is it for Jacksonville and this NFL season, at least in my estimation. Mm -hmm. So we move out of the N the AFC and go over to the NFC. 
Because Ricky, you're an AFC and I'm NFC. Of course, I'm yeah. not wearing. I'm one. I'm wearing black and gold. I'm not wearing Saints colors because I am pretty much done with them for this season. <laughs> I'm wearing the colors of a team that was victorious today. A team that has actually given me lots of joy so far this season, which is not New Orleans because New Orleans all they do is give me headaches and heartache every <laughs> single weekend, win or lose. But in relation to the NFL. I'm looking at what's happening right now in the NFC East. The NFC East for the long time was the NFC least and I'm not so sure that you know we should retire that moniker just yet because they have two very good teams in the NFC East and then two very bad teams in the NFC East. And the two good teams are Dallas and Philadelphia. Now to recap what happened this weekend, well the Philadelphia Eagles they played against the San Francisco 49ers at home but it didn't matter if they were playing at home at san francisco if they played on the moon if they played under the ocean if they, they didn't it does not matter where that game was played because san francisco came into that game with every intention to molly walk the eagles and molly walk them they did to the score of 42 to 19. meanwhile the dallas cowboys well they played a very competitive game against the seattle seahawks and they came out on top 41 to 35. at this point no the eagles still sit atop the nfc east and the nfc in total at 10 and 2 whereas the cowboys are 9 and 3. similar situation to jacksonville and houston just one game back so now ricky the question they put to you in the weekend recap Dallas has a real chance to overtake Philadelphia. Cap or no cap? No cap. They do have a real chance to overtake them because when we look at the schedule, we are really heading into the meat of the matter now. We're heading into the part of the schedule where not only is the division determined, but yeah, this conference can be determined as well because one advantage Philadelphia had they just had that one loss, by the way, to a team by the name of the New York Jets. <laughs> we were the only team, ironically, <laughs> that had beaten the Eagles. Um, but now we saw the San Francisco three-game losing streak where key a number of key players were out. San Francisco not only got them back, traded it for, for some extra talent. And up to today, I believe they added an additional uh, set of talent because I think Logan Ryan was added today as well. So San Francisco is telling us everything we need to know. They have retooled, reloaded, coming out of the bye week, and they're ready to take the conference. What Dallas, I think, is seeing is saying, okay, these Eagles are a bit wounded. This is a wounded bird. And the Eagles' defense, for all the hoopla we had coming out of the draft, how did we allow Howie to secure these georgia bulldogs well guess what a funny thing happened on the way to the coronation for the eagles that defense has not played well all season anyone who plays fantasy football will tell you that mm -hmm. right so as a result no what has happened we heard we heard that mike mccarthy was allergic to throwing the football well guess what who guess who was leading the nfl in uh, passing touchdowns one Dakota Prescott right so I'm just saying that the way the, the Eagles struggles right now and the Cowboys strength there's alignment 
the Cowboys are throwing the ball at a rate to C.D. Lamb, to Brandon Cooks, to their tight end, to anyone that can catch that is dealing right now. And the Cowboys defense, they, they started out like a house on fire, but look at who they played. But they're still a top five defense in the NFL. I think we can agree on that. So I think the stars are kind of aligning that the adversity of the season could take place for Philadelphia right now. And if that does take place as expected and you look at their schedule, yes, Dallas can definitely overtake them in these ne- over these next three games. Okay, understood. So, Ricky, this is where you and I will have our first disagreement tonight. Because when I look at these two teams' schedules going forward, right, this is where things get really, really tricky. Right. So let's let's also remember that these Eagles beat the Cowboys at home, twenty-eight to twenty-three. So right now the tiebreaker is in their favor. We'll see what happens when they meet on Sunday night. Right, but. If we take Sunday night's game out of it, let's even go so far as to say, Cowboys, you win this one. So now the two teams are level on in the standings, both of them sitting at 10 and 3, right? Right. The Philadelphia Eagles' rest of schedule, they have the Seahawks, which just played the Cowboys really close. Right. <laughs> but they got two games against the Jazz and one against the Cardinals. They have... They, they have a cakewalk over the last three weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. However, on the Dallas side of it, they have the Buffalo Bills that nobody knows exactly who or what the hell they are and are right. currently literally playing for their playoff lights because the, the margins are too thin for them. They can't afford to drop any games going forward. Then, Cowboys on Christmas Eve, they go to Miami. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Right. On December 30, then they are home for the Lions. I mean, then they finish with the Commanders. So that's that's nothing. But of those three games, they could easily go one and two or two and one. And if they go one and two or two and one over those games, and Philadelphia beats the Giants both games and the Cardinals, Philadelphia still wins the division. And I, I put more faith in that outcome than to say that the Dallas Cowboys are going to run the table from here to the end of the season. So, yeah, I, I think that this one is a little bit of cap because the Cowboys, I don't, I don't trust the Cowboys enough at this point to say they're going to beat Buffalo, that they're going to beat the Lions and the Dolphins. Nah, that's a, that's a bit much. I will say this is where my AFC East bias comes in. Because when I look at the 6 and 6 Buffalo Bills, I also can't say that I know which team is going to show up. So <laughs> I, I will agree with you, but I think that is why the pressure is going to be on Dallas Sunday night to win that game. Because I think Dallas also, and you know, teams will not want to say that they're guilty of looking ahead. But if Dallas looks ahead, they have to beat Philadelphia um, and take and jump them while while they're still licking their wounds from that 49ers game. So I, I do agree, but the schedule certainly favors Philly, but I just mm-hmm. don't trust Philly's defense. It, they, they, lesser teams than what you mentioned and their schedule ahead have put up points. The same commanders 
light up Philadelphia in two games. Miss a fantasy football darling in two games this season. So I can't tell you that Kyler Murray is is incapable of of lighting up that same um, Eagle secondary because everyone seems capable of lighting up that Eagle secondary. Right that is that is completely fair. I mean, we, you didn't mention it briefly, and they wanted us to get into it a little bit more because. Like we talked, like I mentioned in the leading on that last one, San Francisco destroyed the Eagles. They went into Philadelphia and plucked all their feathers and sent them home naked. So now, when we look at the NFC playoff picture, the Eagles are still at ten and two, but not the Forty Niners. They are nine and three. They are right behind them. I mean, if you look at it really and truly is very tight at the top of both of these conferences where the Eagles 10 and 2, Fortnite's 9 and 3, the Lions are also 9 and 3 um, and I mean the Lions they just beat my Saints and then of course you know the Cowboys are right behind them at 9 and 3 as well whereas in the AFC, well I'll talk about the AFC in a second so when we look at the 49ers now and how they dismantled the Eagles they now have the tiebreaker in their favor and if the records end identically then san francisco is going to leapfrog leapfrog philadelphia so ricky cap or not cap san francisco will be the nsc number one seed uh no cap because i don't think that this current san francisco 49ers team is going to drop another game I don't hmm. think they're going to pick up another L the rest of the way because it is not only that they beat the Eagles, but they beat the Eagles. They <laughs> they physically took their manhood. I mean, Debo Samuel by himself took the manhood of, of, that, of that team. The NFL is a copycat league, so I do expect that Dallas is going to put some hits on on the eagles the same um following that um san francisco playbook pun intended and i think almost every team that you mentioned that has to play philly the rest of the way are going to try to out physical the eagles because of what they saw in that 49ers game and all the niners need to do now is to finish the same amount of of games in the l column as Philly, and they will have the tiebreaker. And I do think that that can happen as soon as this Sunday night when Dallas beats Philadelphia. Interesting. Hmm. So I've been a little on the fence on this one because all right, I just said that I expect that Philadelphia is going to win enough games to stay ahead of Dallas because of the strength of the remaining schedule. When I look at San Francisco's schedule coming up, they have a couple trick. They have some tricky games mm -hmm. still to play. They they play against the Seahawks. The Seahawks all well, not always because two weeks ago they beat them thirty one thirteen. But usually, the Seahawks play them pretty closely. Right. Um, and then they play against the Cardinals. So that should be an easy win. Right. But they still have to play the Ravens, and the Ravens could be a loss. It could be. 
then after they play the the rivers they have the commanders that should be a win and then they finish against the rams the rams right now are still on the bubble they're not completely out of playoff contention they're currently six and six and they're second in that nfc west division nobody is catching the 49ers to win the division but the rams they have they will still have something to play for and they will need to win that game whereas by that time philadelphia may or may not have clinched depending on how the rest of games go mm -hmm. i am not 100 percent convinced that san francisco gets this done i'm not 100 percent sure that they are able to overtake because yeah when everybody's healthy they look like a juggernaut but when you know anything goes right and this is the nfl things in terms of injuries can happen at any point in time for any team and then okay. when someone gets hurt especially for san francisco if but pretty doesn't have Debo Samuel, he doesn't have Brandon Ayuk, he doesn't have George Kittle, he doesn't have Christian McCaffrey. He's not the same quarterback. I I, I, I cannot disagree with you there, sir. Because if there's one team that will find a way to develop a hurt locker, it is <laughs> San Francisco working names. And just by the nature of how they play, I mean we say in so in jest, but th that team actually they, they 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 play in such a fashion that the running back position and the quarterback position do end up at risk quite often. Yeah, but at least to his credit, Kyle Shanahan has not run quarterback power anymore. Praise, praise the Lord. <laughs> he, he finally learned something. So it would seem. And that for me has always been my question mark where uh, San Francisco is concerned. It's not about the talent level on the on the field. Yeah, and Brock Purdy is making some very good decisions. It's always been with that head coach because he is a he is one that likes to play mad scientist. Mm -hmm. And when he plays mad scientist, I mean, Christian McCaffrey has not shown himself to be very sturdy up until he got to San Francisco. You know, he he has been injured fast and often when mm -hmm. he was in Carolina. Correct. Do we believe that his injury history has all of a sudden changed? No, because he is no longer in the in the dirty south, and he's over in Santa Clara. I am not convinced, but someone could call me a hater because you know, the CMC was <laughs> yeah because they can. The CMC was never my guy anyway. You know when I, when I look at those dual threat running backs, there's a there's an interesting comparison to be had. Between him and one AK forty one, Alvin Kamara, because especially like with all of the touchdowns that Christian McCaffrey has scored this season, I think up until uh, like one or two games ago, he and Kamara were dead even in terms of touchdowns, um, the catches out of the backfield, everything. The the pretty much the same kind of player except that cmc clearly is in a much better situation so yeah so on this one i guess i have to say cap for now but you know as, as stephen a likes to say about his stephen a list is fluid, it's fluid. <laughs> this is this is not um set in stone yeah. i reserve the right 
to review this in two weeks because by I think within two weeks we should have a much clearer idea as to how that conference is going to go but from the NFC back over to the AFC those Kansas City Chiefs what hasn't been said about the Kansas City Chiefs this season the Chiefs offense has not looked nearly as good as it has in times past they don't have a number one wide receiver Travis Kelsey can't do it all on his own and he's been dropping the ball a lot more and I mean this literally not figuratively putting like he's not performing he's literally been grasping the football much more often this season than he has in times past Isaiah Pacheco he has been playing really good that's your guy Ricky Isaiah Pacheco he's been doing very well but yes. for some reason he thought that this this week was a good week to play rocky and decided to punt somebody and got himself ejected out of the game kansas city they lost a game to the green bay packers in december before this season patrick mahomes had not lost a regular season game in november or december and now he's lost a game in both months the chiefs usually by this time are running away with the AFC and sitting comfortably in the number one spot but as of this recording they are currently the number three seed with the Dolphins currently sitting at number one and the Ravens at number two both teams nine and three the Chiefs are eight and four every year since Patrick Mahomes has been named the starter Ricky the AFC Championship game has been the Patrick Mahomes Invitational they've only played it at Arrowhead and within that time they've only lost one of them well sorry they lost two of them they're two and two or two and three whichever I don't remember right now that's not really important the important part is this question for the weekend recap this is the year the AFC does not run to Kansas City that my friend is no cap this is the year that the AFC does not run through Kansas City because Kansas City failed to address a glaring need Kansas City got through last season without having a true um, number one wide receiver they got by with saying okay it is Mahomes to Kelsey the rest we will sprinkle in and Andy Reid is a good enough coach an offensive mind that we will find a way and they found a way to their credit um I still can't believe they actually found a way but they did and a funny thing happened they went into the draft and they saw wide receiver talent and they let it pass and they did not address a dire need and anyone want to understand the level of talent that they had just needs to have a look at Tyreek Hill on a weekend putting up better numbers by far than anyone in terms of this chase for 2,000 yards um but what are we talking about we are talking about MVS Marquez Valdez Scantlin we're talking about Kadarius Tony you don't even know if he's gonna make it to kick off on Sundays with this guy because he can step out of bed and tear uh, a tendon um we are talking about uh sky Moore. i i, I don't know what sky Moore is 
the best looking <laughs> wide receiver I've seen from the, the Kansas City side this season. One could argue maybe Rasheed Rice, the rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point, we got to ask ourselves, you're going to win the AFC with those weapons? I know Mahomes is good, but even Mahomes has not looked um, the part of, of Patrick Mahomes. And I don't care what the Swifties say, they could come for us, they could come for this show, but that has to be a distraction as well. Uh, uh, that has to be a distraction because that franchise titan that normally you can build your offense around and will find a way to get free, he's not getting free. He is having some very average tight end uh, production days. And I say all of this knowing that the Chiefs' defense has been a lot better than a lot of the defenses that they took to these titles in the years that, that you mentioned. So that is the irony. When the defense has finally raised themselves to another level, the offense has just been sputtering, and the Green Bay game reinforced it because that, that team could not find a way to, to get consistent offense going. So I don't think it happens this year because I think the AFC teams that they have to battle um, have, have elevated themselves offensively to keep up with Kansas City, and Kansas City has actually regressed offensively. Okay. So similar to to when I was looking at the, the running for Philadelphia, I, it's difficult for me, Ricky, uh-huh. at this point in time to 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 still go against Kansas Patrick City. Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs it is really hard, and part of the reason for that is <clears throat> when I look at the teams around them and the run-ins that they have. Right, mm-hmm. so Kansas City currently sits at number three, and they're going to win their division. That's that's yes. for sure. Yes. So let's look at Kansas City's running first. They have yes. the Bills, right? And I'm not, um, Ken. I'm not giving them a win. Can't, I can't get. I can't get them the Bills. I can't just cross off the win for the Bills either. Thank you. All right. Um, then they have the Patriots. Yeah, now the Patriots. Give them that because the Patriots can't score ten points. The, the, the Patriots can score can score a point this weekend. That, the, the, they had a team that did score a touchdown that kicked two field goals and still lost. Correct. So they should win that game. Shit. They play against the Raiders. They'll Let need me, to get revenge on that one. Let me say that is Christmas Day. And this Raiders team is not your Josh McDaniels Raiders team. That's so for sure. If I I I've seen enough now to know that this Raiders team could rise up and find a way to, to upset to upset them on Christmas Day. I, I, I can't give them I can't give the Chiefs and, and maybe that in itself is the an indictment on what you were saying with, with this question because I can't give the Chiefs that game like I would have in the past. Mm-hmm. All right and then there is the Bengals. They played the Bengals on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. That should be a win. Because, Patient. yes, I mean, unless unless uh, Jet Browning comes and start starts throwing the ball all over the park, yeah. like he, he did last night. He certainly did last night. 
<laughs> that was remarkable. Yeah, All right, and then the finish against the Chargers. That should that should always be a win because yeah, that that is definitely definitely. All right, so that that's the Chiefs winning. Now, the Dolphins. Who do the Dolphins have? Let's see who the Dolphins have in their running. And they're running the Dolphins. They have the Titans. That's a win. Mm-hmm. The Jets should be a win. Yeah, the Cowboys. We can't score 10 points. So yes. Yeah, so the Cowboys, that's a coin flip, in my opinion. Agreed. Um, then they have the Ravens. And then they finish against the Bills. So. Yeah. Mm, I see what you're saying. That's certainly a hard, a, a tougher gauntlet than what we just went through for Kansas City. Agreed. And then the Ravens. The Ravens are the other team that we are looking at here. And to me, to me, this is the team that will finish ahead of Kansas City on record. Just let me see. The Ravens. Well, so, but, so the Ravens, they have the Rams. The desperate Rams. Desperate that, Rams, granted, but rested Ravens. Desperate Desperate Rams versus rested Ravens. Rams have a a, a, a broken cup, a, a gimpy puka. So I have to give the rested Ravens the advantage at home against the desperate Rams in that game. All right. So then they're playing against the Jaguars. Even if Trevor Lawrence does return this season, he's not going to be back, I don't think, by this not, game. Not, so with that... this late, not with this high ankle sprain. A high ankle sprain, no. He would have to be a medical wonder, correct? You mean he'd have to be another Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. All right. So All right. Christmas Day, then they play against the San Francisco 49ers. Yes. That is that is a tough one. I, 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 I can't call that game right now. And then they play against the Ravens on New Year's Eve. Sorry, the Ravens play the Dolphins on New Year's Eve. Right. Yeah. So, again, challenging, but I guess because for me, I am not giving the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt that I gave them in the past. So, mm-hmm. therefore, I can see Buffalo beating the Chiefs, which would then give Kansas City their what? That would be their fifth loss? Yeah, their fifth loss. Right. And I don't know that the Ravens will end up with five losses. And as much as I'm an AFC East New York Jets loving fan, I don't know that the Dolphins are going to end up with five losses either. So therein lies my challenge. Hmm. Because if, if, if the Ravens and the Dolphins end up with four losses and Kansas City gets their fifth loss against Buffalo, then that's all you need for the road not to run through Kansas City. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, this has been a very interesting exercise looking ahead to see. Yeah, I must say I got commend you for that because I I certainly did not recognize the Dallas schedule, I I must admit. I thought I thought that Dallas could start to separate, but not with that schedule you just showed me. And then certainly uh the 49ers is a little tougher than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Baltimore and Miami still have to play each other as well. Yes. Somebody got taken L there because I don't think that they can shake hands and come up with a tie. Okay. So when when we take all that into consideration, there is still a whole lot to be decided between now 
And when is the last game? When do the last games play? January seventh. Yes. There's a whole lot to be to be worked out between now and then. I know that I am going to be glued to my TV because I mean, even if I wasn't coming here to talk about it, there is a lot of interesting things still to be decided this season. The one thing that is not so interesting and has been decided a long, long time ago is that my Saints are no good. So, when we do, hopefully, what is necessary in the offseason, that is, we get ourselves a new OC, if not a new AC, but I'll take both, then maybe next season I can actually be a little bit more optimistic. Because, Ricky, I remember at the beginning of the season, I said the Saints team, I looked at the schedule, I said the Saints team can win 10 games. We can have double-digit wins this season, 10 or 7, 11 and 6. We should be good, and we are 5 and 7. Yes, but your challenge is that you went to a dealership and you signed the wrong car. <sighs> when, you're, when your fans are booing, are booing when Derek Carr returns to the game. I didn't need to see anything more. I I honestly believe that this is that is a little unfair to Carr mm -hmm. and it is not appreciating the extent of our predicament. Because Kerr has not played very well. From a fantasy perspective, he's actually been pretty good because he's still putting up the points, but we haven't been scoring the touchdowns on the field. Right. That's a problem. But Kerr is not the bigger issue in New Orleans. Until we get rid of Pete Carmichael, you can't evaluate anything of this offense. Pete Carmichael needs to vacate the premises as soon as possible if not sooner so let me let me ask you this question again if this weekend card does not start mm -hmm. and finally as people have been clamoring Jameis winston gets a start this weekend mm -hmm. and if Jameis winston gets said start this weekend and unlocks this offense um in terms of the the vertical passing game which i guess has been the main criticism of her would you then feel any differently? No. Okay. I would not feel any differently. And the reason why I would not feel any differently is because we know what we had in Jameis. And somebody still decided that the thing to do was to go get Derek Carr. Rather than give Jameis back sure. the position sure. of being the starting quarterback. We are on the hook for a lot of money for Carr over the next two seasons. Kerr is going nowhere. So when you bring in a Derek Kerr, but our offensive line has not been playing up to standard, fair, that's not Pete Carmichael's fault. However, when you are out here, I don't know what kind of elementary play calling this is. I can't tell you what sort of game planning this is because on every level, it has failed. It has failed. So you bring in Jameis now. 
impressive car. What are you asking Jimmas to do? You're telling Jimmas when Jimmas just go there and play football. Just throw the ball down the field. Because you're going to say that Kerr doesn't want to throw the ball on the field. But if the guys aren't getting open down the field. Or the offensive line isn't holding up good enough. To give him time to get the ball down the field. Then what is he supposed to do? I still believe that Kerr is an above average quarterback. I believe that Kerr is a top half of the league quarterback. Compared to some of these. Especially you know, with a lot of the injuries that we have seen. I but Pete Carmichael says the hand is the handcuff for Kerr. So I until we get Carmichael out the building, nothing's going to change. Yeah, I will say this though. The Michael Thomas tweets um, were not very flattering of Carr. No, definitely um, not. And so I I just, I will... I always say, and I, I think I've mentioned this to, to, to you guys on this show before, that I always look to see when those kind of comments and tweets are made, who comes to the defense of the person that they're aimed against. And again, I find it a little instructive that no one has really come out and defended Carr after Michael Thomas made those tweets, which have since been removed, but they were out there anyhow. So I mm-hmm. just I don't. There's just some kind of undercurrent that I don't understand. I don't understand what is at play, because a I don't understand how Michael Thomas feels comfortable enough to make those tweets while injured, um, and he basically making it sound like Carr just can't see it, as he put it, or or or, or the passes that he makes are passes that would get a player injured, mm-hmm. but. But then on top of that, no one comes out to defend their quarterback in a league where you're almost conditioned to defend their quarterback. I mean, my quarterback, in this case, I mean Zach Wilson, has been on God awful. And my head coach, my GM, players on my team that can't get the ball thrown to them week after week are still defending this guy and saying oh zach is the best guy and is the best option and we have our best chance to win with zach and i'm like wow zach i don't know what kind of kool-aid you mix in for these guys but <laughs> i know two weeks of tim Boyle and what everyone now wants zach back in at qb again so i just don't understand when i see the situation play out in terms of the Saints, why I'm not hearing those offensive players come to the defense of Derek Carr. In the in the face when I look at all of the criticism that he's currently facing. Well, I mean I'm not in the locker room, so I can't I can't say for sure. Yeah. But when you see the struggles of the offense and Carr it's not to say that Carr has been perfect within it and you know that you have Jameis who felt her done by with the way he lost his job last season and then was not even given an opportunity to try to get it back this season you know that the one thing that Jameis is going to do is that Jameis is going to give you a chance yes he's also going to give the opposition a chance but he will give you a chance to make a play he is going to do whatever he can to give your team the opportunity to win a game 
and be it fear or not, it doesn't seem as if the feeling goes the same way with Derek Carr right True. now. True. So, right now it's a mess. It is a mess. Honestly, the way how I feel with the way how this season has gone, especially, and looking next year, the Saints, sooner or later, we have to decide that we are going to be terrible so that we can fix our cap situation. If Pete Carmichael comes back, that is the only reason that I will take him back. If we are punting on the season from week one, right. we're, we're just getting rid of all of these guys that have these massive contracts that we can't afford to pay. Mickey Loomis out there, you know, getting whiter and whiter here every offseason, trying mm-hmm. to figure out how he can stack on voidable years so that we can get under the cap every single year. Mm-hmm. Let's just be terrible. Yes. Trade Alvin Kamara to 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 Kansas City, please. Trade him to Kansas City. Um, let Michael Thomas find a home for himself. Send Chris Olave with with Kamara over to Kansas City. Just get a little draft capital, and then we will just you know we we will have nothing. Mm-hmm. We'll probably go two and fifteen. Probably the two wins against Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we'll see you know what is there for us in the draft and we will build the team again I do, I'm just a little tired a little tired of, of where the Saints have been which is just a middle of the road team not very good not bad enough to to get people fired the people that at least need to be fired right while Champagne is over here winning games in Denver Mm-mm. we need to blow it up we need to blow it up and come again agreed that kind of time and speaking of time ricky we are at time we have yeah. been here for a little bit and mm-hmm. um, it's been i it has been fun i have definitely enjoyed our conversations as we looked at what's happening in the afc and the nfc you know just to, to go back to the theme of winter is coming winter is here for jacksonville yeah, here. dallas dallas is currently basking in the sunshine well philadelphia is probably you know winter is coming for them, maybe Kansas City. Definitely they can see the White Walkers coming over the horizon because hey, it's hey, not hey. looking right good. But that has been our show for today. So Ricky, before we get out of here, you can just let the folks know where they can find you and what you may have going on. Yes. Uh at on Instagram or Twitter, Ricky underscore nurse, that would be me. You can find me in, in both spaces and most places. The next 20 days, I will be preparing for the, the juggernaut that is Christmas and the <laughs> holiday season. Uh, I want to extend to all the loyal listeners of the Green Beige podcast, uh, blessings and season's greetings. Uh, because as we all know, it has been a roller coaster ride of a year. Um, but as per usual, we continue to to talk, interact, and have a great time on this podcast. So I wanna I wanna thank you, Ken and AJ, and the wider team. And yeah, and I just look forward to some very very exciting um, sporting uh, events as as we move forward. Well, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate your willingness to come on as always. Um, to the to the viewers and listeners, we bring Justin's apologies. No, life happened, work happened, and you was not able to to be with us as we had planned and intended from last week. But he shall be back. 
I know, Ricky, as you said, this is this is this is your Super Bowl. This is yes. you to the most busy time of the year for you. So we appreciate the time that you were able to give us tonight as well. For the Green Bears podcast, you know, we are here hopefully every Tuesday. Um, unless, you know, life happens. That that has occurred a few times. But we are here every Tuesday. It is five PM on the Pacific Coast, six PM Mountain, seven PM Central, eight PM on the East Coast, and currently nine PM in the Caribbean. Our audio only podcast. That is where we take the audio from today's conversation. That it can be found pretty much everywhere. You just look for a green beige and you can find us. If you can't find us, you're not trying. We are going to be back again next week. I will be here. I can't say for sure who else will be here, but we'll see. We're playing this all by ear. We are having a lot of fun here, and we want you to um, tell a friend, encourage someone else to join us here on the Green Bridge Podcast. We will be back. So again, Ricky, thank you so much. Like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. And for this week, that was Ricky Nurse. He was the Green I am Ken, I am the Beige, and we shall see you next time.